Okay, today's readings from Luke 10, 1 to 11, and then 17 to 20. After this, the Lord appointed 72 of us and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into, the, into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we, we wipe from your feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Good morning, everybody. Who's made bread? Just raise a hand if you've ever made bread. That's a lot of people. That's, uh, that's great. And um, if, you, if you make bread, you need yeast. Unless, you, unless you're just doing flat bread. You, you need yeast to make the dough rise. And uh, you can... You can get fresh yeast from the baker, but what nearly everybody does when they make bread is they get that little um, sachet of yeast, which is usually either kind of um, wax paper or cellophane, and um, it's little granules of dried yeast inside, and you tear it open, and you get some warm water and some sugar, and you, you tip the yeast into the little cup with the warm water and the sugar and um, the sugar feeds it and, and the warm water makes it come alive and it starts to foam a bit and then when it's foaming a bit you, you kind of stir it into your, your flour mix for the bread and slowly but surely it kind of works through a much, much bigger mass and, and it changes all of it. It's, um, it changes it chemically. And what was just kind of an inert mass of flour and water with a little bit of butter maybe and some other stuff suddenly becomes this amazing thing that kind of rises up and becomes two, three, four times its volume. It's, it's great to watch. And then when it's got to the peak of its rising, um, you shove it in a really hot oven and you get fantastic 
bread. And Jesus used that picture of the yeast to describe how the kingdom of heaven works. And that's what I want us to focus on today, how the kingdom of heaven works out in practice. Now, when we do this, we often start with our church communities, you know, what does yeast look like among us? And then we kind of go outwards a bit into our neighborhoods and with our friends and you know, our families and stuff like that, and then on to other places. But, but I want to start today with the workplace. How does the yeast of the kingdom work in the workplace? And um, it, it might look as if that picture of of Jesus sending out 72 people, so not the core 12, the wider team of disciples around him. Um, Church leaders love to say that means not just ordained people, because you could regard the disciples as ordained by Jesus, but, but, you know, loads of people who are not church leader specialists sent out into the villages. But, But it's really different from our workplaces. They were traveling missionaries. They didn't know the people in the villages they were traveling to. For them, home and work were usually the same place, not for us. They were in a very religious culture with a high sense of hospitality. They were volunteers. They weren't employed, so they could do what they liked. And they were sent in pairs, whereas often in our workplaces, we might not necessarily have anybody else who's a Christian. And if they are a Christian, then they might live in a different town, be part of a different church. So, you know, in lots of ways, you might think, well, how is the 72 missionaries like me in my workplace? And how does the yeast of the kingdom kind of flow in the workplace. There is, however, quite a lot that is the same. The first is that the 72 had to be willing volunteers. When Jesus said, take a week out from your farm, or two weeks, or however long it was, and go to that village they had to be willing to say, yes, I'll go. Secondly, they had to be upfront about why they were there and who sent them. I mean, maybe they'd walked past or through that village hundreds of times, but now they had to stop and they had to be upfront and undefended about why they were there. Jesus was a hugely controversial figure because lots and lots of people really loved him. But there were a few who hated him. He provokes extreme reactions then and now. So they had to be willing to be sent and to see themselves as his disciples in that place 
And they had to be transparent, undefended, up front, that disciples of Jesus is who they were, and that actually is why they were there. And, you know, in our culture, especially if you're not kind of mad keen on your job, a lot of us are in survival mode at work. You know, work is something we do have to do. We do have to be there. We do have to earn money. We do have to pay our rent or mortgage and feed ourselves and clothe ourselves. So we have to do our job. But, but we basically want, want the job to go th- as quickly as it can through the day so that we can get back to the things we really... That's not really discipleship mode. That's not really discipleship mode. And of all the reasons why the gospel doesn't spread like yeast in our culture, maybe one of the foremost is that as as a bunch, we are quite defended about our identity as disciples of Jesus. as As a bunch, we are quite defended, Christians in this country, about our identity as disciples of Jesus when we are at work. And there's lots of reasons for that, you know, including the fact that in about 70 years, the culture's moved from Christianity as public truth to Christendom as discarded. So it's been a huge cultural shift, but nevertheless, um, compared with other countries, we, we still have amazing freedom to be who we are and the challenge to be transparent isn't really different from what Christians have experienced in every age and every place so that's kind of the starting point for the yeast of the kingdom spreading at work and that is a willingness to see yourself as sent there by Jesus into that workplace you know even if it's not your dream career even if you'd like to move on even if it's not great whatever that you understand that you are sent by Jesus into that place for at least as long as you have that job and then when you're there that you are undefended transparent about who you are But the next question is, what is the focus of your discipleship at work? And I want to offer you three different perspectives. And the first one is the obvious one, and it's what Paul calls being an ambassador for Christ, which means you're someone who can make connections with people, have conversations, listen, ask questions, be undefensive about your own story with God and with Jesus, letting the Holy Spirit direct relationships at his own pace, at his own way, being able to tell your story of why you have chosen to follow Jesus. And some people take to that like a duck to water. You couldn't stop them doing it. For other people, it's not so much. And yet, for every one of us, in our workplaces or in other settings, that role of ambassador is part of our calling. And and it's usually that one 
that the church is major on and sometimes quite unhelpfully. So, you know, on behalf of churches everywhere, if you've been at the receiving end of sermons that give you the idea that what we really want you to do is grab your colleagues by the uh, collar when they're at the water cooler and give them a four-point gospel demonstration straight through the eyes, then, you know, I'm sorry about that because Jesus never treated people as if they were only there to agree with him. No, he never, he did proclaim the truth of the kingdom, he did say repent and believe, but the context was amazing love and compassion. The context was relational, come and follow me. The context was a love and concern for the whole person. And Jesus never ever treated people as if they were just there to agree with him. He never ever treated people like that. So there's the ambassador perspective, which is the obvious one, though though not always presented very helpfully by the church. But maybe maybe your perspective at work, your calling from Jesus, yes, you're an ambassador, but is your calling to change the culture in your workplace? Because that's a very yeast-like thing to do. Because in many workplaces, the culture, or bits of it, is quite toxic. And even if not toxic, not nearly as open and caring, as self-giving, as valuing of people as it could be. You know, maybe it's gossipy. Maybe people are doing that about each other. Or or maybe, you know, it's just very, very driven and people don't care if people get burnt out or, you know, there's pressure to just work, 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 work. Or or maybe it's kind of one of those um, work cultures which hasn't quite caught up with the Me Too thing and, you know, there's, there's unhelpful comments and flirting and, you know, people are... It's just, it's just nasty. Your calling may be to change the culture at your workplace by not doing that and living in the opposite direction. And that might seem like it's a soft option. It's not a soft option. If you're going to not do gossip, then when someone comes and gives you the juicy bit about that person who's just left the room, you are going to have to find a way of saying, I don't want to do that. And if you've got amazing social skills, perhaps you can do it very smoothly and very gently. But for most of us, it will be a bit awkward when you say, actually, I don't want to do that. When someone makes a comment about a colleague's, you know, physical shape that they shouldn't be doing, or, you know... Just that attitude towards, towards men and women that's just yucky. You're going to have to find a way of making it clear you don't want to do that and you don't see people like that. If it's an ungenerous culture, you're, you're going to maybe have to do more work to help someone else, even though it's not really your job. Maybe you're going to go, let's go and have a drink. Let's take, you know, let's take 10 minutes out of the office 20 minutes, half an hour out of the office. Anybody, you're going to have to expend yourself 
And if you do it, you may not be flavour of the month with some people in the office, including your bosses. You may put your promotion at risk. There may be other things about how you live in the opposite direction that make life really hard for you. So there's ambassador, there's culture changer, but, but then there's leader. Is your calling to direct and lead the enterprise you're in and make it really, really good? You know, if it's public sector, to take the money and responsibility that you've been given and use it really well for the benefit of the people it's there to serve. You know, so if it's the health system, the way that resources get allocated in Sheffield in the different areas is really sharp and really good. If it's education, you know, that the school you lead maybe is a really good school. It doesn't just tick all the politically correct boxes, you know, but it's, it's a really caring place where people are valued. It's not just about results. Is, is your role a leadership role? If it's private sector, is it that the business succeeds, that it meets its dreams, that it employs loads of people, that it's able to grow? Are you called to lead something? One of the things that I think the Holy Spirit does with people is stir up gifts of leadership. And sometimes Christians can be a bit unambitious because we don't think that's part of God's calling. We don't think that's part of his kingdom. But it is. Is God calling you to be a leader in his workplace and make it succeed? There are many, many examples in the Bible of all three of these, of ambassadors, of culture changers, and of leaders, people who answered the call and did it, and also people who didn't answer the call and didn't do it. I could, te- I could keep... Um, speaking, but I think, I think we should stop there. And I think what we should do is pray for people who are in the workplace and or are going into the workplace or are about to go into the workplace. And um, so if you are in the workplace, um, now is a good time either to head for the door quickly or to stand So if you're in the workplace, I'd like you to stand. Hopefully that will be more than two of us. Otherwise we're going to have problems with the giving, aren't we? Yep, that's fantastic. So if you're in the workplace, or you're about to go in the workplace, yes, definitely you should be standing. Fantastic. And the rest of us, In a minute, I would like you to gather around them and just invite them to say one word, either ambassador, culture changer, or leader, about what their perspective is right now. 
on their workplace? Is it ambassador as the main thing? I mean, we all do all of them, but is it ambassador? Is it culture changer? Is it leader? And then um, I want you to pray for them, but leave the first 30 seconds quiet for the Holy Spirit to give wisdom. So can we do that now? Would you gather round people in the workplace? Take your time, there's no, there's no hurry. Pray with boldness. If you think something is from the Holy Spirit, speak it out, don't be shy. If it's God, it'll go straight in. If it's not, they'll have forgotten it by the end of the service, so you don't need to worry. Do keep praying if you're praying. I don't want to interrupt, but I just want to pray over us. Lord, you told us that we carry your holiness and your presence wherever we go. And particularly for those of us in the workplace, Father, we speak that holiness over them and we bless them in your name to flourish at work. Lord, would you give them favour both with colleagues and those over them and would you make them like the yeast of your kingdom to infect the whole place with the presence and purpose of Jesus Would you give them good success in the callings that you've called them to? Would you give them courage and hope? And may they see themselves as your disciples and carrying the tools and gifts of the kingdom in their hands. And would you bless them, Lord? Would you bless them richly and send your joy with them and with us? In Jesus' name, amen.